1: Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast where we look ahead to the events that will be making news in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. That means we'll certainly be talking about Greece with our correspondent. He's on the spot watching those tortuous debt talks and at home we have the latest on the UK's GDP growth numbers as well as the PMI surveys. On the corporate front, we'll have annual results from Green King and we'll also be looking more generally at the state of the pub sector. I'm joined by Bruno Waterfield on the line from Brussels, Philip Aldrich, economics editor and columnist at The Times and Dominic Walsh, our Leisure Industries correspondent. A warm welcome to you all. And Bruno, if I can start with you, you're there on the spot. What are the chances of a deal being reached on these Greek debt talks?
2: The chances are actually pretty slim. I think the eurozone's uh, habit of kicking the can down the road may actually have sort of reached the end of the end of the line they've sort of hit a they've hit a wall the political space for for, for both parties the creditors and the debtor uh, greece is, is is effectively disappeared um so i think it's a very very slim chance um of a deal the reason why there's a slim chance is because the measures that the creditors are insisting upon pension cuts for the poorest pensioners in greece really big vat um, increases and vat increases are regressive they hit the lowest people on the lowest income hardest greece has been suffering so people are feeling the pain it's very difficult for a radical left-wing government to to take that part back to parliament so Uh, what
0: next bruno does that mean it's uh default on the horizon come June 30th when they've got to pay the IMF it's 1.6 billion euros?
2: I think one of the options that is a really distinct possibility as I speak um, right now is that elections uh, or a referendum is called possibly on, on August um, the 2nd um, which means that a an extension of the current bailout program would somehow have to get through the parliament sort of Sunday. Uh, or Monday, the Greek MPs would somehow have to pass these, what are called, prior actions to unlock some cash so that it could survive um, into August um, re- and the election. So it's looking really, really uh, messy. I mean, the, yeah. there are real echoes of a sort of Weimar Republic in the 1930s.
0: Who's, uh, wow, nasty. Uh, whose cash is going to be released? Because the IMF seemed to be totally reluctant to uh to to sort of bend their rules in any way to accommodate greece where's the cash going to get that gets them through to august the second going to come from
2: if it is a take it or leave it agreement that, that greece signs perhaps calling um elections then then the the imf is a signatory to that um that could be in the form of something they call a staff level um agreement and once they have that and that's that's quite detailed. It sets out what the Greek Parliament has to do. There's some money that Greece can immediately get. There's £1.9 billion in an ECB bank account from their bond transactions, which can be used to pay the IMF on Tuesday if there's a staff-level agreement in place. And there's also uh, ECB restrictions on the Treasury bills that Greece can issue, and with a staff-level agreement, I understand, and um, that can be relaxed, giving Greece, you know, possibly um, £3 billion Uh, So there's there's enough money there to get Greece Greece sort of out of the default scenario, but it still leaves real questions about capital controls, uh, the state of the uh, Greek banking sector at the moment, particularly if there's going to be political turmoil.
1: Bruno, what we see is a lot of leaks and counter-leaks, which are clearly destabilising to markets there. What's the atmosphere like around these talks? Is there a sense of urgency, or is it rather bureaucratic?
2: It is very bureaucratic, um, and... Because it's very bureaucratic, we get these very, very artificial deadlines all the time, which are basically just sort of milestones um, in a sort of bureaucratic process. But there, there is a real deadline on Saturday, and actually, the, the atmosphere—I've never known an atmosphere, never known an atmosphere like it. I mean, the, the EU is very sort of sanctimonious, rather pious sort of place where people aren't really rude to each other. But the level of sort of insults—you know—people have been talking uh, about Armageddon, people have been calling the IMF. Criminal uh, people have been calling the Greeks irresponsible, uh, liars. I mean, it's getting really, really pretty unpleasant. And, and, and I guess one of the problems with with insults is that after you've said some things, it's, it's rather difficult uh, to, to unsay them. And one of the things that I, I think has really shocked people here is the sort of level of comparisons in the greek uh, media and among greek parliamentarians comparing greece to auschwitz i mean an incredible sort of level of rhetoric um, and poisoning of the sort of uh, political pot
3: bruno i was just wondering what all this means for the tourism industry which is obviously crucial to greece there's talk of imposing tourist taxes i mean isn't that just going to get the turks next door rubbing their hands with glee
2: yeah i mean this is again one of the impacts of of the creditors demanding uh, sort of pretty massive uh, VAT increases and the scrapping of various VAT exemptions that exist for the Aegean islands. And and the IMF itself actually has has warned that this can have a very chilling effect on the Greek economy. And it could potentially be really disastrous because we're coming into the summer it's a time when the Greeks can look forward to a bit of revenue flowing into those empty uh, state uh, coffers. A toxic combination of VAT increases and political uh, tur- turmoil. could. You're absolutely right, put people off, they'll just go next door. Quite an important part of the, the picture, actually. And uh, we, we, you know, we, I think it's quite important that we don't forget the impact of some of these creditor demands, which are, are, are being made so that they are paid back. Can have a very negative um, effect on the uh, Greek economy.
0: The tourist sector, as a part of the Greek economy, is it's, it's between 15 and 20 percent of uh, GDP. It's quite it, it's quite significant, I think.
1: Bruno, I suppose in short, can Greece creditably remain part of the eurozone or even part of the EU?
2: Greece can p- remain part of the European Union, and I don't. I've never really heard anyone serious, suggesting uh, that, that they should, should be kicked out of that particular tent. But um, I, I think it is becoming very, very difficult for Greece to stay in the Eurozone. If, if there is a deal, and the deal is going to be horrible, it's going to be horrible particularly for the Greeks, but it's going to be horrible for everyone else, there's going to be another bailout. Um, we'll be talking about another bailout um, before the end of the year. That could be even more horrible. Uh, Greece hits a wall uh, in 2022 when it has to start paying back deferred interest rates on, on you know, many billions, many tens of billions uh, of loans owed to the E. This, this problem just isn't going to go away. And, and, and the, both the Greeks and the IMF, funnily enough, are, are completely right when they say Greece really needs uh, to get some debt relief. The Eurozone is going to have to bite the bullet and let them off some debt and that's absolute political poison um in the german dutch austrian and finnish parliaments.
1: all right thanks bruno stay with us and perhaps we'll come back and talk about the cheery subject of beer in a minute Uh, philip at home the latest uk gdp numbers what are we expecting
0: yeah next week uh, we've got the final estimate of the first quarter growth for 2015 we managed to eke out just 0.3% according to the most uh, up-to-date data. That may be raised to 0.4%, which is... A little bit better, but uh, compared with uh, 0.6% in the last quarter of last year and the sort of run rate, economic run rate that we should be at, which is between 0.5 and 0.6, it's uh, it's not good enough, frankly.
1: And the PMI service has always been teaching us, haven't you, that these are slightly forward-looking indicators. Any new news on the horizon there? The
0: private sector growth uh, seemed to be really motoring on and just just delivering. You know, should we should have been growing at about 0.6%. They were wrong, basically. Since then, the late the, the May uh, PMI suggested that there actually had been a degree of uh, slowdown compared with what the PMIs were suggesting before. So, uh, it, uh, that if, if that continues again, if the if the rate of uh, PMI indicated expansion is it, it, you know, it doesn't recover to sort of gangbuster levels with the with the complete set of uh, figures that come next week, that's construction, manufacturing, and services again for uh, for June uh then then again that, that that that'll make people worry about you know what is happening in terms of the pace of the recovery are things really coming off the boil the only plus side recently has been that the construction data the official construction data was revised up recently and there was a, there was a bit of an increase in the estimate of growth in the, in the whole of 2014 so we are expected to be doing a little bit better than than uh than ha- had been uh, estimated in in the
1: previous month Sounds like your glass is about half full, which is an appropriate moment probably to move swiftly on to Green King. Dominic, uh, an area you know a lot about. Uh, full year results, what are we expecting from them first?
3: Yes, full year results on Wednesday. In actual fact, Green King are probably going to be down at the pre-tax profit level by about 3 or 4%, or at best flat. They've had a quite tough year. Trading has been a little bit difficult. They've got quite a strong presence north of the border where tough new drink driving laws have obviously come in, so that's a bit of an issue. People are still drinking a lot at home. Coaxing them out into the pubs is is still a challenge, but I mean what Green King have done over the last few years, like a lot of pub companies, is focused increasingly on food and creating food led chains like Old English Inns and Hungry Horse. And ripe right is the
1: sector for consolidation and this is a, a theme you write about constantly. And and tweet I might add.
3: Indeed. I mean, to some extent, the figures will be overshadowed by the completion this week of the takeover of Spirit Pub Company, which is a chef and brewer and fair and square operator. So that's a big deal, about $1.3 billion including debt. So, obviously, Rooney Anand, the CEO of Green King, is going to be facing a lot of questions about how he plans to integrate that and extract £30 million worth of cost savings. So that's going to be important.
1: I mean, You mentioned there how he's he's going to implement that strategy, but having looked at the consolidation, what is the future, anyway, for the pub sector? We read, don't we, daily, both in our local papers and broadcast news, pubs are closing everywhere.
3: What's the answer? Well, the rate of closure has actually slowed a little... The last couple of years, the Chancellor has actually cut beer duty and, in fact, removed the beer duty escalator, which has increased duty significantly over the last three or four years. Uh, that's helped. But the problem is that people are still drinking at home. So the, they're obviously trying to find other ways of saving costs. Cutting costs is a key thing, which is why the, the big deal with Spirit Pub Company, it makes sense for Green King. But, I mean, there are going to be other deals ahead. There's nothing obvious in, in the immediate pipeline, but I mean Green King itself, once it's integrated, Spirit Pub Company, is is you know is almost certainly going to start looking at th- something fairly big again, like uh, Mitchells and Butlers. I mean that's been tipped before, Marston's. These are these are deals down the line which could could yet see some significant consolidation in the pub industry.
1: So there's some decent stock market activity ahead for people to keep an eye on, anyway.
3: Yes, and and in fact we've got another company coming to the market probably in the first quarter of next year, Stonegate Pub Company, which owns Slug and Lettuce and Yates' bars, they're, they're going to look at a £1 billion flotation, so there's going to be some action.
1: Uh, Bruno, out there in Brussels, if I can bring you in on this, how, how does the eating and drinking sector over there compare with what, we, what Dominic's just been talking about?
2: There has been an impact here with the smoking ban, for example, which I think was similar in the UK, where some smaller, uh, smaller bars um, had... close and there are chains uh, of bars here owned by uh, brewers whoever owns left I think and InBev Um, but a lot of bars here are proprietor owned small Um, I think the real difference here is that there's still a real culture of, of going out to a bar and it's intergenerational so you can go into bars in the centre of Brussels, that are quite fashionable bars, and you will see four generations of people uh, drinking um, in that bar. There's much more of a sort of sense of of sort of community, I think, probably in Belgium. And I get the sense now that there are some some sort of younger drinkers in Britain who've who've never really gone to pubs. They 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 drink at home with their friends from college um, or whatever. Whereas here, people dugout, it's a real um, tradition of it, people have their local bar they know everybody um, in it and the idea of the voisinage or or the neighbourhood here is really important and uh, there is no such thing as a neighbourhood in Belgium um, without uh, a bar and without their very strong Uh, trappist
1: beers all right well thank you for that bruno a very cheery note to end on and remember you can check out those green king results as they happen and keep up to date with all the latest on greece and other financial news that's on our business now live blog go to our website and uh, it's in a pop-up form as well making it easier to read If you are a Times subscriber, you can sign up to our morning and lunchtime emails. That's for all the latest news. And if you don't have a subscription, well, there's a special offer, £1. Go to thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks there to Bruno Waterfield in Brussels, Philip Aldrich and Dominic Walsh. And yes, they're all on Twitter, so follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk.